Hello, church family. Uh, well, this is the Friday episode, so that means this is the Q&A time. And I was looking at some of the Q&As, uh, the questions are sent in, and I decided to kind of jump, gather all the Bible-type questions, uh, the Bible verses-type questions that people have, and just try to answer them uh, with this one, as opposed to kind of mixed messaging, because uh, I think this is uh, it's just a, a common theme. And I think next week, if... If I, I guess, analyze this right, uh, I think next week I'll try to answer more of those COVID-19 type questions. Uh, so for this week, though, I do want to answer all the, the Bible type questions that are sent in, or the Bible verse type questions. So the first one is from, is a question regarding what, what my devotion, the first one I did in Psalm 31. And the question is, what did I mean when I said that God already knows the cure uh, for the coronavirus, and what that what, what I basically mean by that is that God is omniscient; uh, He knows everything. Uh, there's no, it isn't like the way that uh, our doctors are or scientists are trying to like experiment and do test trials. Like our God already knows how to stop a virus, how to um, you know he, he knows every little thing about the virus. Um, as we're just discovering things, He already knows all things. Um, and that's what I mean by that. He knows how to solve in terms of, like, you, know, you just look at scripture from the Exodus, uh, even all the way to the second Kings, whenever you see, like, a disease happen, uh, God can, like, remove a disease instantaneously, while at the same time giving a disease to someone uh, really quickly. Um, uh, another example, that even like Nebuchadnezzar, right, he uh, was prideful. And then he lost his mind, and the Lord brought his reason, reasoning back to him. Uh, God is sovereign over all things, and part of the reason why he is sovereign is because he knows all things. Um, and that's just really encouragement for us uh, as Christians, that we don't need to base our trust in scientists or doctors. Uh, they are, at best, men at best. You know, the best men are men at best. Uh and they're always learning along the way, but we can trust in the Lord who knows all things. Uh, trust in the mind of God as opposed to the mind of, of people. Uh, and that's what I try to get with that verse uh, or that uh, devotional when I said that, that God knows everything. Um, and the question is, well, then why doesn't he act on it? Why doesn't he just give us the solution right away? Um, I think part of it is just because God is using it to sanctify us. Uh, if you're a believer, you trust and you know that this is what's best for us. Um, uh, recently, I was asked, is, is this the end of the world? And uh, my answer is, it can be, but it, can, it also can't be, but we don't know. Uh, as Christians, we don't need to worry about those things. Uh, tomorrow might come and tomorrow might not. But as Christians, we know Romans 8.28, and that we know that God causes all things, and all things include even this virus, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Um, so if we love the Lord, we know that all of the things that are happening right now uh, is for our good. So even if the Lord withholds certain things from us, it is for our good. Um, historically, uh, that's how, actually that's how the church shines the most in history. It's during the time when there is a great famine or plague or disease um, when the Christians are willing to risk their lives 
to be to 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 be witnesses to save other people's lives or to relieve pain. That's when uh, people start looking to the Lord. So I think even in that sense, like for evangelistic purposes, this has been, uh, you know, part of God's reason why He allows it. This last week, I was able to speak with some family members about this, about like. You know, is God punishing the world because of uh, the way that we treat animals or whatever? And I said, no, that's that's not the main reason. The main reason I think this is here is to just awaken people to the reality of death. Um, so I was able to have like good gospel evangelistic like discussions through it. Um, and I praise the Lord for that, and I hope that some of you are are having these type of conversations as well with other people in your life. Um, but again, we trust in the Lord because he knows all things and he's watching. Uh, he knows all things. He knows who gets the virus. He knows who doesn't get the virus. He knows. Um, I do think it's interesting that, you know, infants and kids are spared. And somehow what people don't understand, God knows why that is. Um, so the mysteries are the mysteries. The, the mysterious things to us are mysterious to us only. But to the Lord, it's not that way. Um I think the passage that, sh- that just came to my mind is, uh, is uh, Deuteronomy uh, 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord. Uh, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. So even back then in the Old Testament, people understand that there are things that we will never find out, but the things that, that, that the scripture reveals, they belong to us. So for Christians, what do we know about God? Those are things that we need to cherish. Those are things that we need to hold on to. Okay, next passage. Uh, this passage is a question from another poetry, Proverbs 16, verse 1 to 3. And the passage is this. this the plans of the heart belongs to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Uh, this passage, along with several other passages in the Proverbs, speaks of how um, the man is not in control. Uh, the, the, the verse one, like the plans of the heart belongs to man. This is like the person thinking through what they want to do, uh, thinking about how uh, they want to approach life. Uh, but the answer to the to those plans only comes from the Lord, and we understand that God's sovereign plan. Like you could have you want to do something, but if the Lord doesn't allow it, then you won't be able to uh, fulfill it. I think that even as we're going through the Book of Esther, we're seeing sovereignty and providence, right? Like they're, uh, the characters in Esther want to do something, but the Lord stops them from doing something, or the Lord uh, allows them to do certain things, and ultimately the Lord's one who gives the answers to it. Proverbs 16, verse 2, all the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. And this is very, it should be a very convicting passage to us because we then know that God weighs our motives. In the eyes of other people, some the way, sometimes the way that we describe circumstances are always in our favor, right? Like they always seem uh, to make us in a positive light, but the Lord can see straight through that. In fact, in the book of Daniel, it says like the Lord can see straight into darkness, like he knows what's inside darkness. And I think part of, as Christians, uh, we're always asking the Lord for us to give us a clean heart, a right motive, the ability to discern and do the things that are, uh, that are pleasing to him. Um, when I was in college, one of my Bible study leaders, he had this way of just 
not answering any, any of my questions directly. Uh, it was infuriating to my, my friend and I because we would ask him things like, you know, what kind of career should I do? And then he would just ask another question or should I do A or B? And he just answered, he just answers it with another question. It just feels like a game of Jeopardy with him. Um, and then later on, I just asked him, why do you do this? And it was a question that he, he actually answered it. He said, it's because I want you to think. Uh, because he said, like, I know that you can be lying to me with what you're saying. And that was really, like, eye-opening that, yeah, people can lie. Um, and I think this is the principle here. The, the, in all the ways a man are clean in his own sight, all, sometimes the way that we think about things are always, like, incomplete. It can, it can be incomplete. It can be pure. But the Lord is one who weighs the motive of the heart. Um, and it, goes, it leads to verse 3 of chapter 16. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. What that means is that uh, we commit our life, the things that we do, it must be according to the word of the Lord. It should be according to who he is. Um, this word uh, commit is this, uh, it means like total trust in the Lord and submission to who God is. And he will fulfill our righteous plans. So if our ways are in line with the will of God, then anything that we do would be pleasing to him. Uh, if you have a heart, a genuine, true heart for winning the lost, the Lord will give you opportunities to share the gospel with the lost. If you have a, a genuine desire to serve the people in the church, the Lord will give you the ability and the grace to be able to do those things. But if your motives are impure, then the Lord will shut those doors down. Um, and that's just a way that the Lord protects um, you and even other people. He knows how to orchestrate everything, uh, orchestrate everything, so that um, His, His, you know, whatever's best for us, and ultimately gives Himself the most glory. So that's what Proverbs sixteen, one to three, to summarize what it, it's about: is that God is sovereign over every circumstance. He is sovereign because He knows even our own motives. He can discern those things, even when at times we aren't able to do those things. The last passage that was, that was sent in is passage in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, verse 40 to 42, which reads, If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. For it forces you to go one mile, go with, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And the question is, what are we supposed to do with this? Uh, What's the meaning and application? If someone sues you for money, um, does this mean that we just give it away? Uh, does this mean that we should be willing to let go of those things? The answer is yes. Um, and the reason why we do is because we understand all that we have doesn't actually belong to us. Every cent in our account is the Lord. Our, our, our God is described as the God that owns cattle on a thousand hill. You know, there's nothing in this world that we have that is truly ours. They're all lent from the Lord. We are called to be stewards of those things. So if there's people in the world that are suing us for those things, then we should be willing to give it up. And I think this is such a radical view of how to deal with people that despise us. Um, it's countercultural. Um, you know, our day and age, you could be sued for anything. Like you could be sued for anything and everything. And I think it was so, it was like that back then as well. And then as Christians, um, we should be willing, be willing to let things go, let those things go. I think that's why Romans 12, 17, he'll never pay back evil for evil, 
uh, to anyone, respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, so far, it depends on you, be at peace with all men, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for his written vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and, and if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And going back to Matthew 5, that's exactly what's going on as well. Because it says uh, in verse 43, uh, You have heard that it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes the, his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So part of the reason when if you get sued and you just you just give them what you have is because even God is willing to give wicked people a common grace. Um, and then going on from chapter 4, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So there's this, so there is this thing that you have to be it's in your mind that if people want something from you, just be willing to give it away, and your rewards will be in heaven. Whatever you lo- you're going to lose everything in this life anyways. You might as well try to get some eternal rewards for it. So if you get sued for something, and someone wants something from you, just give it away. Be willing to let those things go. Even going back a little bit from Matthew 5, is that you have heard uh, that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to, to him also. And, and then, then gets to the suing passage. So in the context of everything, it's basically not being overcome by evil, but to do and live in such a way that's so different that people wonder, why are you willing to give up everything? Why are you willing to walk uh, the, the, extra, the second mile um, in fact, in verse 41, it said, whoever forces you, that word uh, forces, it's the same word that was used uh, for the guy, you know, when Christ was uh, carrying the cross. And uh, there was one particular individual that was asked to go and uh, carry the cross to help Christ. That's the same word. The same word is used. Um, it's the same word. Again, the idea is that, like, you're willing to to, to to go the extra mile uh, that you're not that you don't that you know that basically if people forces you to do something that you're willing to do it um, that passage is in Matthew 27 verse 32 uh, when the when the soldier asks Simon to carry the help Jesus carry the cross the same word here uh, in other words if someone forces you to, to do one thing you, you, you go even further and how does that apply to your life <clears throat> Imagine if you're working somewhere and someone asks you, hey, can you stay for an extra hour? And you don't grumble and complain. You work your normal hours and you do the extra ones. Um, if your parents, if you're living at home, if they're telling you to clean something, you just you do your best to go the extra mile, even if it's like, oh, that's not my chore. But you do it anyways. Um, and you don't even do just what you're expected, but you do more than that. You go above and beyond for the, for the reason we said at the end. Um, because you're supposed to be distinct. Like, even non-believers can do the, the bare minimum 
but you will do more than that because that's a reflection of who our God is. That's why at the end of chapter 5 tells us to be perfect for our God, our Father, is perfect. Okay, that's the three questions for today. And uh, thank you for all the questions. I got a few more this last week, and I'll just encourage you, if you have any more questions, feel free to ask them. Uh, I've, I'm really looking forward to the coming weeks with all these, these different types of questions uh, so as my way just to shepherd and care for you and to feed you the Word of God. Um, again, I hope that this is useful, and I look forward to next week as we go through Esther chapter 4. And uh, again, we'll just keep going through it and uh, just so we can see how God is sovereign over all things. Okay, uh, have a nice weekend.